Hello, I'm EG Editor Sam McClary and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast and the first in a new series of discussions centred around talent. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Jane Hollinshead. Jane was a lawyer. She spent almost 20 years at Adelshaw Gazard where she was head of real estate. But in 2015, she pivoted and launched her own business, IJD Consulting, providing strategic advice to real estate businesses, advisors, charities and industry groups. She also began a portfolio career as a NED. In this podcast, we talk about how to pivot in the post-COVID world, what industry needs to do to make sure it retains talent but allows people to move and pivot and learn within the wider sector, why COVID may have reversed some of the great progress we have made around DNI, and so much more. I know I say it on every podcast, but this one really is an excellent listen. Enjoy. This is a podcast I am actually really excited to record. Um, Not that I'm not excited about any of the others, but um, this one in particular, not only because I'm joined by the very wonderful Jane Hollinshead, but but also because of what we're going to be talking about. It's so important right now, and I don't think that it's really a topic that has been touched on as much as it should during this time. So we are going to be talking today about how to repivot in a COVID world. And I'm joined by Jane as... Um, Jane knows a thing or two about this and many other things as as well. But first off, hi, Jane, how are you doing? I'm very well. Very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolute pleasure. So this year has been um, a little bit odd, hasn't it, as an understatement? Yeah, we we thought we were doing really well, didn't we, in, in the first part of the year? Um, and, and I remember looking back and thinking, actually, this is going to be the year where we really make some some great progress. And then we got kind of sidelined yeah. by quite a few things. Yeah, for want of a better phrase, it all went a bit tits <laughs> up. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were we were particularly making really good moves in, in the right direction around gender, around young people, um, around even around ethnicity. Obviously there's a huge amount more that we need to do do there. But as you said, then COVID came along and things unfortunately are at risk of, of going going backwards. And and there has been those good old people at McKinsey have um have pushed out some research that's actually really worrying, particularly for for women, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's another it's another byproduct of of COVID, isn't it? It's it's not it's women and the fact that they're more likely to be looking for um, alternate careers. They're more likely to be um, looking to downshift. They're more likely to be made redundant. But but it's not just women. You know, I think one of the the things that that COVID has really had a huge impact on and will continue to have a massive impact on is the the delta between the haves and the have-nots and the whole issue that I think we face as a real estate industry around social mobility as well. And so th- there's an awful lot of stuff that's dragging us back now rather than moving us forward. And, mm. you know, I, I think I'd love to think that everything was going to be a sort of straight line up. Now we've got the prospect of vaccines, but my guess is it's still going to be a bit bumpy. 
So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah. there's going to be quite a lot of change, I guess. A huge amount of change. And not all change is bad. Not all change is is, is good. And I, I guess um, we'll talk a bit about the opportunities that then that people might have realised during during this period. But we should also talk a little bit about um, the the issues that it's highlighted as 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 well. And you talked there about the the divide between the haves and the have-nots, and I think that has become so apparent, hasn't it? And you know, I, I see it, and actually, I. I feel it and I feel sometimes I feel a little bit guilty of being being a have and you know I I notice that you know I have room in my house to set up an office I have a garden that I can get out into if I feel like I need to be closer to nature to feel feel better I have enough to get by and if you know if I if I had to be furloughed, I would get, but I would get by. But there are so many people that that is that is not reality, and so many people in our industry that that is not a reality. Completely, completely. I mean, it's you know, it's people that are working with their laptops off their ironing boards and sharing tables with seven other people and trying to do their job. You know, it's it's even trying to reach out to that next generation that we really want to bring into um, the industry. And w- one of the things that that we found at, at Pathways to Property, which is one of the roles that I have on their board, is when we were trying to encourage that next generation who are at school to come and join the Pathways programme, they didn't have devices. <laughs> they were they were doing trying to do their lessons off a phone and and they were getting left behind. Yeah, so it's it's those that we need to be looking forward to because they're going to be the future of our industry and how we engage with those people and how we close the gap there. But it's also the people that we've we've got in the industry currently that, as you say, that that are probably not um, as resilient as we might hope. And I think that's that's cross generational. I don't think it's necessarily just young people. Mm. You know, it, it can be people that are very senior too. I think that you know they might not be as open as they could be about some of their struggles. But I, I do think that you know there's issues there as well. Yeah. So what do you think we need to do to make sure that those people that um, feel that they're the the have-nots or are the have-nots it's not a feeling is it you either are or you you aren't and let's be let's be frank about it what do we do to make sure that we are as businesses as a real estate community are looking out for those people and making sure that we don't lose them because there will be huge amounts of talent there that if we're not careful we'll think I can't do this anymore this isn't the place for me um oh, such an interesting question i mean i i think we've seen it already haven't we that that actually you can't necessarily stop this oil tanker now it's it's on a it's it's kind of moving forward and even if the our economy and real estate does make a sort of that night Nike shaped recovery that everyone's talked about we're we're still going to lose people and we are going to lose people in terms of how engaged emotionally engaged they are with the industry how mentally well they are you know so there's lots of 
you know, you can talk about it from different perspectives. I mean, I think in terms of how we maintain resilience within the industry, I, I'm a really, really keen fan of um, making sure that senior leadership teams and boards and managers are completely alive to their responsibilities to look at the well-being of their staff and actually going online in this environment that we now work in that's become just so much more important but I also think that there will be people that we've lost already um, and then you know they are disengaged they probably were thinking about what they might do before all of this started at you know sort of March 2020 so um we do need to think about how we keep talent in the industry, even if we're not keeping it within our own businesses. Um, and I think, you know, to me, that's something that we need to focus on you know, as a really critical aspect going forward. Because, you know, when I was thinking about in the last recession, um, during the great financial crisis, we lost so many people. Yeah, absolutely scores and scores of people and there was probably about four or five years after that where we were really bereft of talent because we hadn't held on to the good people and I understand that sometimes businesses just can't make those decisions you know to keep people but we should learn from the lessons from you know previous recessions and think about both from the individual's perspective what can we do to maintain that talent particularly that female talent you know, because they're the ones that, you know, will be alienated, you know, probably more so, I, I imagine. Um, and also, how do, how do we offer that sort of safety net and the, the network, which actually real estate's really good at? How do we do that to enable that we keep people within the industry? Hmm. Well, let, let's talk about that then, how we, how we approach this from an ind industry-wide perspective. And maybe here you can you can share a little bit of your your own journey. You were at Adult Talk Goddard for um, 20 years, 18 years? Yeah, a long time. A long time. Yeah. You were head of real estate there and then 2015 came about and you left. Yeah. You, you pivoted. Tell us I about pivoted. about your story. Um, well, I, I think it's, it's quite relevant to what we're talking about today, isn't it? You know, so, so I, 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 I didn't actually have a mean to be a lawyer I wanted to go to art school and it didn't work out so I ended up being a lawyer instead um and before I, a of time that isn't it <laughs> before I knew where I was I'd, I'd been um I'd been a partner and I'd been practicing for I don't know eight, 18 years or so and I just made the decision that doing one job in a career is not really good enough um, you know, there's so many things that we can do. Why would you only do one thing for your entire working life? Um, and I loved real estate. I really, really loved real estate and I really loved all my clients. It was it was fantastic, but I wanted to do something different. And, you know, Adelshaw's was, is a phenomenal firm, um, but I wanted to get out of the corporate world Frankly, I wanted to get out of conflicts committee and all the other um, constraints that go around really big law firms that are necessary, but take a lot of time. Um, so I decided one morning that that I was going to resign. And that's what I did. And <clears throat> I'd love to say that there was great strategic planning, but there wasn't. Um, mm. I didn't really know what I was going to do. And um, I set up my own business 
advising property companies. And and I think this is, you know, that that this is what is so great about real estate and the the network that we can provide each other to support. And I think that's a really critical thing now as well. You know, that I, I was incredibly fortunate because I had a phenomenal network of contacts and friends in, in the industry because I've been around for so long. Um, and that network provided, it was, it was invaluable when I needed to make a massive jump out of a huge corporate into m- me and my laptop. And that was it. <laughs> How do you do that now, though, if um, because that network, the network and the building of the network feels like a really physical thing. And I think those those relationships that we make at breakfast, at lunch, at those awful, you know, um, uh, uh, evening dinners that we have to go to, (laughs) you know, seas of suits where, you know, we look to see if there's any women out there that we can just um, have a chat about something with but that you know they're, they're really worthwhile and actually they are quite fun but you create strong bonds at those those events when you interact with people physically I yeah. think it's it's much harder to do that on online I was talking with um, someone recently who who said to me well you know um it's okay for you because you've got if you think about those relationships as a sort of cash in the bank you can you can use you've got a plenty you've got a big pile that you can feed into if if I've only been in this industry a, a short amount of time my my pile's probably smaller than yours and it might be running out now and it's harder to form those relationships via a zoom meeting or a team's meeting I, I agree. I mean, I, I think there's two things about that. I think I think even when you're as long in the tooth as I am and you've got many people that you've crossed paths with over the years, I, I still think you're at risk of losing the strength of those connections in this online world, no, no doubt. And I think real estate is such a sociable industry that you know part of the lifeblood that keeps us going are those the sort of serendipitous, you know, physical interactions that you know you have however bad or good the breakfast or dinner is and and I do think that it's incredibly hard for that that next generation of people that are coming through that really need to create those contacts so I mean what one of the things that I've definitely noticed since lockdown is how many more people are using social media to um, make connections and that they're they're interacting in a slightly different way. You know, I, I see that LinkedIn is is kind of really active these days and people are probably, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's just me, but they're spending more time, I think, actually reading stuff and reaching out to people and creating a, this, this virtual network. Um, you know, I've had lots of people that have emailed me or just asked for a, a one-to-one catch-up over Zoom. And, and you're right, it's it's not half as good as, as um, the alternate, but I think it's a moral obligation if you're in the industry and you're senior to, you know, pick up those those um, requests, don't you? I mean, it isn't, that's kind of what we should be doing to keep people here I think yeah I think um, we have an obligation to and a, a to to open ourselves up to help people create those those networks I think that should be any leader in business's role right now 
yeah I, I i agree and and for the most part i do see everyone doing that um and i know people are busy but i i also do think that there's a much greater level of awareness in the industry that that support is more important than it's ever been historically you know this is what we have to do now is to, is to provide that mutual support even if it is online mm. um, I, I also think stuff that that you know you guys do around creating these really innovative ways of you know handing out awards or these future leaders programs that type of thing that starts creating a whole different way of staying in contact or maintaining connections and you know maybe that's just that's another pivot isn't it it's another way of doing things until we all get back you know to those fantastic dinners at the grove now. <laughs> <laughs> or not yeah yeah i think you i mean we have to we have to remain relevant don't we and i guess Absolutely. the the world has shifted slightly in the way that we in that we do that and and i think it's up to up to all of us to to somehow enable enable those connections whether it's through um you know creating something that creates these programs that brings people together even if it's not physically or you know shows shares some stories of you know you're not the only one out there feeling like this there are there are many of us so let's let's share that together and what you know and just entertaining as well and just tell it, letting people know you know what it's all right to just have a giggle from time yeah. to time and yeah and, and you know what it also goes both ways you know because I think there is a massive amount of learning that can come from each end of the sort of junior senior elements of organization and you know i think that this there's another really interesting thing that's going on right now in the industry which is where you know we are passing the baton to the next generation those senior leaders that have been the chief execs and whatnot of, of a lot of our property companies are now passing the baton over to actually a next generation of those that sort of in their 40s um and the you know i think the the old conventional way that we used to run our businesses is you know that's changing really quickly and i see that so much in in the work that i do as, a, as an advisor where you don't have that command and control structure anymore at a senior leadership level what you do have is and i think this will become increasingly the case is that you're going to see people in positions of seniority actually really really wanting to close the gap with that next generation because they can learn so much from them you know, mm. so much stuff that's going on now in terms of um you know tech in terms of what consumers want and demand in terms of you know some of these really really big society issues um that to be honest i think historically possibly a lot of senior leaders were, were one step away from um, and I think there's more emotional intelligence that goes on now in terms of working out, well, actually, if I start engaging with that next generation, I'm going to be better at my job. Yeah. And I think that next generation of people coming through the industry are phenomenal. I mean, they're mm. su super smart, super smart. Um, bags of confidence and, and hopefully if we as an industry can be more collegiate we'll be able to give them the resilience as well I mean the the one thing unfortunate they haven't seen is a bloody awful recession yeah. and, and, and that's that's another reason why it's really important for everyone to start 
engaging and contributing whatever their experience has been. Do you think the, you know, the impending recession um, will... (laughs) She said she's optimistic. It might be really quick. We might be out of it, but yeah, it could be all done by January. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, (laughs) But do you think that will help um, the next generation talk to the the current generation you know as much as the leadership now and and I, and I want to talk about why there's suddenly this mass change in leadership um, in a bit but um, leadership now knows that it needs to talk to the next generation to be able to future-proof um, businesses Completely, but I wonder yeah. if the next generation still has this feeling that I don't want to talk to those old fuddy fuddies <laughs> or um or whether the fact that you know we're going into an environment that that generation has never seen before will help with that communication and and make them reach out more to to those above to say what is this and how do we learn from this and how do we survive it mm. I think as speaking as a fuzzy daddy myself, I'd, I'd, I'd be really um, sad if I didn't think that the next generation wanted to have that conversation. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that one of the risks that we have and that we continue to run, given the environment we're operating in, is that we can we all, we can all just hunker down, can't we, and, and mix with our own type. Mm. Yeah, and that that comes back to the whole kind of diversity thing. Um, you know, you know that that's you don't get to generate competitive advantage if actually all you do is talk to people like yourselves. So, you know, I hope that that also takes shape in, you know, that next generation understanding that it's it's fantastic to have confidence. It's fantastic to have you know some of the backgrounds and and the diversity that hopefully we're starting to get. But you really, really do benefit from talking to anyone about anything. I mean, when was the last time that you talked to someone and you didn't take something away from it? You know, you mean you can, you can disregard 85% of what someone says, but there'll always be a bit where you think, okay, that's that's worth processing, that's worth sort of feeding. And so I I hope that they, there will be an opportunity for learning. There will be an opportunity for them to reach out, and hopefully they won't. It won't be a question of everyone thinking everyone's, you know, that's over the age of 30 is fuddy-duddy. 30? Is it 30? I don't know. Well, I hope not. No. Um, <laughs> I remember 30 once. Um, <laughs> I think I think I had scrambled egg brains. I had two children under the age of two when I was 30, so. Wow. And you've lived to survive. To survive to tell. Yeah. Um, yes. Just. <laughs> um, so just jumping back to change in leadership, because we have seen over the last um, last year so much change at the top of um, of the big REITs. So of, yeah. of well, of all of them now, I think of the, the listed um, uh, big prop co's new new leadership coming in. Yeah. We have seeing some. You know, some real veterans of the industry say, do you know what, it's time for me to step down or step aside. I'm sure yeah. they'll come back in some way, shape or form. But why Why now, I suppose? Why are we seeing this shift now? Um, well, I think there's, <laughs> I think rather 
um, this is quite a dull point, but I think this one, there is an issue about corporate governance where you can't stay on forever. <laughs> um, so, the lawyer in you talking. So, I'm, yeah, sorry about that. So um, I think that's definitely one point. And, and these guys, and let's be clear here, the majority of them were guys, all came in around a, a, a similar time. So they're all kind of, you know, leaving at a similar time. I, I, I think, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know this because no one's told me, um, but from a personal experience, I think a lot of them would have been, you know, they've worked through the financial crisis and that was quite tough, you know, in, in real estate and in financial services, that was a really tough time. And, and I remember it because I was um, still in private practice then. And it was, it was, it was, really pretty brutal and I think that there is definitely a piece around how many times in one working career can you do this type of thing and you know to, to do that when you've been in tenure for quite a long time possibly is is not giving the, the, the company its best shot um, and I think you in the belly to be able to tackle some of the the economic and health and society issues that that corporates are also indirectly you know responsible for now for all the reasons we've talked about you know in terms of well-being and everything else you, you need you need that fire in the belly to do that and I suspect there's probably a number of people right across the industry who have seen the third recession and think actually do you know what I'm done here it's time mm -hmm. to hand over to that next generation that will have more energy and a different perspective um, and a different experience to tackle this. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned there that most of those um, leaders have been of the male persuasion but um, while they while they're not as we haven't seen them uh, sort of in the public eye as much there are a lot of women in the industry have also been through several recessions um, is there a fear that we might lose them as well, that they think, do you know what, yeah. I've had enough too? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really good point and I think you're right. And it, it comes back exactly to that point that McKinsey were making around, you know, women are more likely to downshift, they're more likely to be, to you know, just run out of steam or be, be made redundant. You know, and I, I think... This is probably a really unpopular thing to say. I think sometimes women are just a bit more um, sensible about this stuff and think, well, why would I do this? You know, I can go do something different. Um, you know, and I, and I think this is the whole issue around, you know, how do you repivot? You know, if you if you are running out of gas or you feel that you you know you're at risk of of being made redundant, then don't see it as a negative. You know, see it as something that you know, creates loads of new opportunities, um, and and don't and not to not to be a victim in the process because I think that can be incredibly draining. And you know, we need to be resilient. Mm. I wonder if there's a something in our psyche in that because we see all these um, reports and figures that you know women are more likely to be made redundant. You know. Know, the glass ceiling it's harder for women to do do that it's um you know there's still this belief that um women should um women are the uh, caregivers um uh, which is i was about to say bollocks which is rubbish <laughs> 
Um, I said it anyway. Um, but I wonder if that is built into our psyche that we think, well, I can't, well, I will just go and do something else then. And that, that sort of, it's a bit of an odd way to look at it, but that all, whether all of that builds that resilience in us to go, well, okay, well, I will pivot and, and try something else or, I will, you know, before we did this podcast, I spoke to um, several of the very wonderful women that I've met on the Padel bike ride. And and so many of them during this period have said, well, actually, I'm going to go and do something different because it will make me happier and I can do it. So off I go. And it it will. And it did. And that's the thing is that, you know, the, the, setting out on your own I think women are really good at you know and I and I suspect you know it goes without saying you know it's, it's not a gender specific thing um I think you just need that opportunity you just need a trigger um because we are used to you know doing lots of things at, at any one time um it's nice to be in control of your time and what you do um, and how you do it, you know, and I was, I was talking to someone just before this call about, I did get some really um, fantastic advice actually from um, Ian Marcus uh, before I, I set up my own business about, you know, some of the rules of engagement that if you're going to do this stuff and you're going to go off alone is, is you know, w- what are the rules that you play by? And, uh, you know, I th- I, the advice he gave me was work with people respect with whom you, you, you respect. Um, make sure you make a little bit of money and have fun and actually there's not that much more to it is it no no three and you you still get to do all the other stuff yeah like pots and (laughs) walk your dog and yeah so yeah yeah, i mean it's 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 not that complicated is it and i think a lot of i think i do think there's a bit where there's a fear about jumping off and starting off on your own and, and creating a new business. But, you know, it's never, never as scary as the thought of it. And it's a lot more fun. You know, so, some, sorry, yeah, sorry. And I was just thinking, like, some of the women that I know that run their own businesses, you know, they're extraordinary. You know, they have incredible impact on their people. And, you know, they've created amazing businesses from a standing start of nothing. And and they're people who I suspect the industry really likes working with because they do have the flexibility. They do have the agility. They're, they're really willing to collaborate. Um, you know, and again, that's, you know, that's something that we should be really proud of as an industry, that we encourage that and we support others that do that. Mm. But we can't have everyone pivot out of business to set up on their own, can we? There should do we need to be encouraging people sometimes to pivot pivot back in as as well, you know, to bring those lessons learnt from from being setting up on your own and being um fleet of foot and collaborative and um communicative. Do we need to encourage that back into to big business as well? Yeah, completely. Absolutely. And again, it's it's sort of it's it's a multi faceted thing, isn't it? Because, you know, if you think about how businesses have got to change right now, how they need to be more compassionate, how we, they need to think about, you know, there's so much talk at the moment about ESG. You know, everyone's talking about ESG, um, but there's still way too much talk that's 
talk rather than actions. And I think, you know, that there's a real bit now around how do big corporates actually start delivering results by actions rather than pledges, you know, whichever aspect of ESG or, or diversity you're looking at. And the, I think that element of being agile and, and very collaborative which I think is something that we're learning to do in the industry from a corporate to corporate basis. Um, I think that's starting to take shape. But, you know, that's absolutely critical that that's part of the change. That's part of the evolution of, of what we do as an industry. But I also think there's a bit around tapping into that the wisdom and judgment that, you know, some of these senior leaders that, that are leaving the industry or, you know, the, the, the changes that we talked about, you know, it's how do you kind of make sure that that circles back um, and we start, you know, bottling some of that up and putting it into different organisations and how do we look at things more differently? How do we get individuals to be, you know, do pro bono advisory work? you know, to sit on advisory boards so that we're making sure that we look at everything from three, 360 degrees, you know, that we are focusing on something that's more than, yeah, how big our asset centre management are, what our profit is, you know, what's our return on investment, all of that stuff, because, you know, the industry is going to be far more around long-term sustainable value and how we, how we impact our communities. Yeah. Like a, a real estate hive mind. That we all feed into yeah and share out yeah it sounds kind of creepy it does it's yeah it's that yeah yeah I'm not really sure about that what's that yeah. look like I don't I don't know I've got bees in my head bees. Not, it's, yeah <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> okay uh, yeah no it's got it's um, that's just an insight into my brain um for uh, for those those people who are at a juncture in their life at the at the moment and I think I think all of us have stopped and thought about um work and the way we work and what we're doing and um the direction of the planet and and all that sort of stuff during this time have haven't we for for those people that are thinking I want to do something different whether that's leaving um taking on new new skills and and no as you've mentioned es everyone is talking about esg and there there is such a huge skills gap there that mm, everyone yeah. needs to to fill in there there are all sorts of opportunities for for people what would be your advice if people are are sat listening to this and thinking i'd like to do something different and not sure what it is yet but what i do know is that i'm frightened of making a change in a period of time that is so so up in the air and none of us know what's going to be announced the next day and what 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 the future looks like and it's really hard to to plan for it right now yeah um i would say to them go out and ask for advice from as many people that you know whose opinions you value to talk to them about what they think you're good at because I think frequently 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 we're our own worst enemy aren't we mm. um, and I think women specifically 
are not always that great at being objective about what their skills are or they downplay their skills. And I think there is an incredibly um, interesting exercise in just, you know, making a list and, and going to talk to the people on the list and getting them to tell you what they think you're good at and asking for their advice. Um, and over time, building a picture that is both what you think your skills are. And it's, it's, it's great for the confidence. You know, and it starts painting a picture of where you might go within the industry. But it, it is taking that step about being actually quite vulnerable mm -hmm. um, and saying, look, I'm, I'm kind of having this, you know, I'm considering this. You know, obviously, if you, you, you don't want to be doing that if you're a finance director of a list of PLC or something. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, where it's a safe conversation to be had. I think it's a really good starting point. And then also being really clear about what you're not going to do. You know, what, what are you not going to concede? Is it time? Is it a discipline? You know, is it something that's very big or you wouldn't go somewhere that's very small and you just start, you know, reducing and reducing and reducing what that ideal opportunity would look like. Um, and and I, I, I did that. Um, I had a, a, I have a really good friend and I sat down with her over lunch when I was about to make the jump and we made a list of all the people that I should go talk to. Um, and it was, it was about 30 or 40 people and I kept a little red notebook of all the notes, the conversations I had with people. And I looked back at it, you know, two years ago and it was really, it was, it was a pretty useful book. Mm. Yeah. And that helped me make the decision about what I wanted to do and actually what other people thought I should do. How easy is it to ask someone, hey, what do you think I'm good at? Because, you know, I like to think I'm I'm a reasonably confident person, but I would I would still find that difficult. What, what, which bit would you find difficult? Saying, um, just find asking someone what they thought I was good at. Because one, <laughs> I think because it would make me feel like I was saying, hey, I must be brilliant at something. And two, <laughs> there would be an element of fear that if they really came, at writing. yeah or they said I was good at something that I um I one I didn't know I was good at or I didn't particularly um you know wasn't wasn't the direction that I thought I would be um going in but isn't that part of the the experience isn't that that's part of repivoting isn't it where you actually find out things about yourself that you didn't know yeah, cause yeah. I, I I think that's that's part of that um, evolution into doing something that's different and, and and also I might be more worried about them saying um, we're well, actually only good at drafting leases <laughs> I've encountered my notice in from a law firm because that that would have been quite a dull conversation to have at that point wouldn't it so I, I do yeah I mean I think it takes you, you've got to um, put on your armour metaphorically to have those conversations, no question about that. And I do think there's this bit around working, you know, when you, when you do start something new, it's this bit about throwing spaghetti at walls. You know? mm. <laughs> the, the truth is, is that most of it's just going to slide down the wall and it's not going to go anywhere. But the, there is going to be a bit that sticks and it's the bit that sticks, which is really, really critical. And that's where you should get your um, satisfaction from in terms of, you know, you only need one bit to stick. And I think that 
you only need one bit of advice about what you're good at that you might not have known about yourself that could be you know the the kernel of your new business I, I think that's quite exciting yeah I agree and I and I guess those those bits that don't stick are where you build that that resilience yeah yeah exactly and and things can come back two years later or three years later you know and I think it's you know going back to your question about how hard it is to to build your network it's it's tough it's really tough right now but you know once you're throwing a a couple of strings of spaghetti it does get easier you know and I think that's sort of creating an environment where it's okay for us just to contact people that we might not know and say hey can we have a chat Mm. we should all be active listeners right now shouldn't we absolutely absolutely and when you're putting together that list and for you you said it was you know 30 or 40 people did you um sort of do a bit of an audit on that list and think who are the people who aren't going to tell me something that I want them to tell me you know that uh, do you have to make sure that you don't go to people that will tell you, hey, you're good at that and, and you know, the thing that you want them to tell you you're good at? Yeah, completely, completely. And I think sometimes it's it's the people on that list shouldn't necessarily be the people that know you so well. Mm. Um, you know, Because you're right. I mean, there's, there's a chance that you will just end up sort of, uh, you know, sort of self, self-creating the output. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you, you've got to be quite... Uh, broad I think yeah and and I looking forward and thinking about the future of this industry and you know if we if we go back to that McKinsey report again they're saying um you know that we could you lose five years of of um of progress as a result of of COVID do do you do you think that we'll lose that in real estate? And if we are going to, what do we need to be absolutely focused on now to make sure that we continue on this this journey that real estate has been going through to really recognise talent, to bring new talent into the into the sector, to build the talent that we have in it and, and make sure that we retain really good people within the wider sector not necessarily with you know keep them in the same business but but keep them in the sector I think it I think it comes back right back to the beginning of our conversation in terms of we were doing all right at the beginning of 2020 you know we were making progress I think on a lot of fronts and you know having been in the industry for I don't know say an aggregate 30 years and having seen progress around gender diversity being frankly glacial um you know other than probably in the last five years or so i think we were i think we had a real wake-up call um with black lives matter i think we have probably only in terms of covid and seeing this this you know the point you made about haves and haves nots that that's been very much a byproduct of, of covid hasn't it that we're more alive to that so i i think t- to your point we are in a definitely in a better place than we were in terms of of how do we hold on to talent because we have more awareness i think you know we have flexible working now whether that was you know as a result of strategic direction or whether that was just you know out of necessity of working from home i think we've got that and that definitionally keeps 
people that we need in the industry that we would otherwise lose. You know, I, I was um, I work flexibly as a partner at Adelshaw's in, in 1996, 97, and I was, I was the only partner there that worked flexibly then. So, you know, we, we've made massive progress. Um, I think that we are more creative in terms of how we go to market. I think we recruit better. I th- you know, I don't think we recruit in our own mould so much. I think we get, you know, that some of our processes in, in real estate businesses, you know, are ones that can exclude minorities. And so we're more alive to that. Um, but, 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 but we can slip backwards really, really quickly when we're faced with economic insecurity. And this is one of the things that I, I learned to my cost during the last recession is that all the progress that we've made around diversity um, pre-financial crisis just went out the window. Um, and we we defaulted back to um, what we felt safe with um, in the legal profession. Um, and I think we've we've learned our lesson from that. I don't think we'll do that in a post-COVID world because I think we realise and we value the difference that people bring and what that does to business. But it's almost like we have to prime pump it to to keep to keep it going in the right direction. I think give us 12 months, we might be back on course. Um, but we've got to make more of an effort than we've ever done to ensure that the way we operate as a business doesn't slip back. Um, that we use this as a as a, um, a platform for progress, Absolutely. but we can do it. We can definitely do it. We can do it, well, and we can't afford not to do it. No, and I think there's another bit as well, which you know, I th- I think we have a very long tail in real estate, don't we? Where we have some really big companies that have fantastic resource and great strategies and, and um, are very progressive, but we've got a long tail of smaller smaller businesses that don't always have the same um, wealth of, of resource and opportunities to, to call upon. So I, th- I think going forward, wouldn't it be awesome if those that are in the position of being able to help the smaller companies, whether it's expertise, it's um, knowledge sharing, it's it's resource, you know, they they actually pull, you know, they extend the olive branch or the, and they start collaborating with those smaller companies. So we all get there rather than creating the haves and have nots within the real estate industry, because that would be a shame. Yeah, what a, what a vision of the future that would be. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, I should say as well that, um, you know, there may be people who are listening to this that um, think and uh, that we're just talking about women or underrepresented groups in, in real estate. But this is a really relevant conversation for 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 men as well and you know even even the the um you know branded male pale and and stale these are these are, you know we're all going through this this time together and we're all having the same sort of thoughts so and um, we definitely don't want uh, anyone to feel excluded from this conversation because i think it, it's it's really relevant to absolutely everyone yeah no I, and i think it can be quite a lonely place being a sort of senior white male pearl and cell you know it's it's this is a time to actually break down the the silos that exist within generations within you know different characteristics of diversity whether it's big or small companies you know 
there's a great opportunity here to, to re-pivot and to do some good. Um, you know, and if you if we do that now, I think I think we will make that sustainable going forward. But you do have to include everyone. Absolutely. And we have to make it okay for um that that male leader to say, hey, well, you know, I'm I'm gonna work from home and I'm gonna be the the carer. And you know, and not have have that judged that that's not that's not a quote unquote male job. Of course, it's a it's a parental role, isn't it? Doesn't matter matter what what flavour you are. And do you think that's happening more? Do you see that more in the industry? That's a good question. I think I think so. Not not enough, um, but I think certainly for the next generation of leaders that that I speak to I definitely see it I think you know habits are hard to break aren't they and um, we've been in this habit of traditionalism for for such a long time and we can't expect it to change overnight but uh, I think I think events like this definitely do do help um, sort of shift our direction of thinking Um, so you know we have to hold on to the positives, don't we? And I think there are many things that will have come out of this really rotten year that will enable 2021 and beyond to be a real catalyst for, for positive change. Let's end the podcast on a on a positive note that, that you know, change, change is coming. Pivot, think about it, talk to lots of people, find out what you're good at. Um, don't be afraid. Uh, if you are going going through through that period and you want to share your your stories with us, do get in, get in touch at, um, with me at EG. Um, most of you know uh, how to do that. But if not, my email is samantha.mcclary at egi.co.uk. I'm always happy to hear from people. Um, but for now, Jane, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. I feel like we could keep going for hours. But we probably shouldn't and we won't. So it just leaves me to say thanks everyone for listening and join us back here soon for another EG Property Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.